0: Hello and welcome to the Facing Up podcast with me, Luke Grenfell Shaw. Today is a particularly exciting day because, actually, every day is an exciting day that I get to record an episode for Facing Up. But today I feel very, very honored to have Sahar Nazjanani on the podcast. She is in Hyderabad, in Pakistan. And so the virtual studio is quite a spaced out one today. I first met Sahar when I was working at the University of Central Asia. And while Sahar wasn't a student of mine, I got to meet her through a project she was doing for her media and comms course. And she wanted to do a, a profile of the, the journey that I had been on. After we had, you know, an hour's conversation or so, We chatted a bit more about Sahar, and I found out that she had been through some incredible challenges of her own, and had been incredibly brave in the face of those. I don't think today is going to be an easy conversation or or, or an easy podcast, but I think it's going to be a really worthwhile one. I think we're going to be talking a little bit about challenges that many girls face in, in Pakistan, dealing with challenges to faith, and also talking about Sapiens of Abuse, which is Sahar's platform for challenging the status quo in in Pakistan. Sahar, it is a real honour to have you here today and to be able to talk with you about these subjects.
1: Thank you so much, Luke. Yes, it has been an honor to be in touch with you and know you personally. Honestly, you have given me an optimistic direction in life at some point. And I always tend to uh, I don't know, I'm always attracted to people who have an optimistic uh, viewpoint about life. Uh, because I know how it feels to go through some tragic events in life which you didn't really expect or wanted to be that way but it turned out to be something honestly really messy and you you are not able to get out of it but still you just get into that you pull up your strength enough strength which you don't even have sometimes to survive basically and yeah I would I would just give a little bit introduction about myself. You have given mostly. So, yeah, yeah I belong from a middle class family uh, of Pakistan. Basically, I'm from Hyderabad. And then we moved to the cosmopolitan city of Karachi to move on with our lives. Um, Hyderabad has been a real, has played a really important part in my life, actually. I've lived here for 18 years. And uh, I don't know, whatever I went through in my life, it was it basically happened in this city. So uh, I have some really bad memories attached to it. And honestly, I never wanted to come back here in the city because I didn't want to, Because, you know, when you go through some sort of trauma, you relive it whenever you visit that place. But this time when I came back uh, because of the lockdown in Kyrgyzstan, I guess I stepped back into my life to realize that I have I have passed through that stage and now it's a different Sahar who wants to do something with her life so yeah that's sort of my introduction and yeah I'm pursuing communications and media and the reason to choose that field was of course to, uh, to let to for this world to not have more Sahars like me I guess that was mm. the reason yeah
0: right so um I mean, it sounds that the word formative experience or the phrase formative experience seems to be really inadequate in summing up perhaps how you feel and and relate to Hyderabad. Um, And you've had to, to, to come back at all just sounds like such a challenge in itself. But. Can you, can you take us through your experiences, the experiences that really stick out to you when growing up here? Like, what, what, what are you talking about?
1: Okay, uh, I guess, yeah. So, uh, this is the first time, actually, that I am talking about it, and it might... Uh, be a bit challenging for me. Uh, I apologize for any sentiments that might come through this. Uh, so uh, no, no the apologies. first time, uh, the first time that I uh, I shared these experiences was, of course, with my therapist, almost one and a half year ago. And uh, the reason for going for the therapy was because I couldn't keep it inside me anymore. And after the therapy, it gave me courage to. Uh, openly speak about those challenges to people to realize because I always thought I am the victim uh, sorry I I, I I was the reason for whatever happened with me right uh, <laughs> but uh, going through the therapy made me realize that the one who should be held accountable would be the transgressor rather than me myself so the reason I agreed to share was all this story with you uh, to be released publicly publicly was because. Girls like me shouldn't think that this happened because of them. This happened because the person who wanted to do it with you, not because of you. So uh, I don't remember when it started. Honestly, I don't remember when it started, but I remember when I ended it myself. I was 14 years old. I went to my grandmother's room. I climbed up the bed and he was standing up right there and he he was forcing me to come down, but I was I, I, I pointed my finger towards him and I told him that you should better leave the room or else I'll shout so loudly that the entire neighborhood is going to come together and I'll not be I'll not stay quiet this time. You can't touch me. But uh, he 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 pointed his finger towards me as well and he said that I'm gonna come back and you better watch out for whatever you are saying to me. But that 14 years old me knew that this is the time for this to stop it can happen to me anymore i don't like it i don't like the sound of it i don't like the feeling of it and nobody's allowed to touch me basically but i realized it after 14 years and for all those experiences that i had to go through between these years were terrible where i don't have any words for it the moment i i, I even try to picture it gives me weird sort of you know weird sort of horror that climbs up myself and I just want to stop that imagination right there because it wasn't easy it was horrible and the people who say that life moves on you heal things uh, happen and then you have to move on it's okay forget and forgive is the best phrase that you can have in Pakistan you know honestly when you share the story with people from Pakistan they are like forget and forgive let things go life is all about this you have bad experiences dude no this is unacceptable right. this is not something you sh- you should forget and forgive and forget that doesn't happen an entire life is not enough to heal from that pain and this can only be understood by the people who go through it. Every day in Pakistan, 10 children are abused sexually. Every day. And these are only the reported cases. Don't even get me started with those cases which don't even go reported because of unsuitable laws that are practiced here. So Mm -hmm. just imagine that the person sitting next to me maybe have, have the same story as me. And you tell me to forget and forgive, it's just it feels like that Pakistan has compromised with the situation rather than mitigating the risks of it. So uh, this is just the uh, clips which I showed you from my past. And. There are many things attached to it, attached to it, honestly, because I, I call myself being the victim of domestic violence as well, and the reason for that is domestic violence is not something when a husband beats up his wife. Domestic violence is a very vast phenomenon in which you go through emotional abuse, in which you go through uh, psychological pressure, with which is being put upon you to stay silent about whatever happened with you. And this, it, I I feel like this is kind, kind of unveiling the web of abuse which is nurtured in Pakistani community in Pakistani families and when you ask your child to shut up that means you are psychologically pressurizing that person and you are telling that person that it's okay if you are abused
0: so did uh, you grow up you thinking that then
1: no this is very funny, actually. I I thought it's okay, and I always thought that being sexually abused is actually fine. It's totally okay, and I should stay quiet about it. No, I cannot tell this to my mom and dad because their lives will be shattered. They're, they have a very small heart. They have to uh, connect, keep their families together because joint family is a very... Uh, Vastly accepted phenomenon in Pakistan, which is pra- practiced because they call it as an Islamic value and Especially when the transgressor lives among your own family members. That's when the real tragedy starts I guess oh, and my goodness. I So uh, I was totally fine with it until I went through my therapy and my counselor told me that whatever happened with you was not okay
0: So and for what 20 years for you what happened to you you thought was was okay because you because that's the society in which you grew up in is that is that right yes Uh,
1: yes actually that is right and uh, the funny part is that because I thought that it is okay, I even allowed other people to sexually abuse me. And it the funniest part is the number is not just one, it's seven. There's, there were seven different people who abused me, and I thought that it's okay, Sahar, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Because the first time when I spoke about it, I don't remember my age, when I shared this uh, thing with a family member, that person made me realize that I need to stay quiet about it. I need to just shut my mouth because the person who was abusing me didn't only abuse me, he was abusing a lot of other children as well around me. And I shared that with the person who was also being abused by him. And uh she told me that it's okay, we should just stay quiet because she apparently told her mother, and her mother told her that you need to just keep your mouth shut. My goodness.
0: So, so this is it's this isn't it's it's not just one guy doing this that there's to some degree uh, an acceptance within within the whole extended family that this is is it would it be normal or just that people didn't want to create a fuss um
1: at that time i thought that honestly i this was embedded in my mind by my family members that if I'm going to speak about it, uh, maybe my grandfather is going to die of this pain. Maybe my grandmother will just pass away listening to this thing. That, because, you know, uh, we have to keep in mind here that you are talking about Pakistani society. We are almost. Pakistan has ranks number one in the case of honor killings every year. If a girl is being, if a girl becomes the victim of rape or if a girl is involved in sexual relationships before marriage, then they are killed in the name of family honor every year. And, you know, the, the things which were attached to my life for all these lives were sex and virginity. Apparently, if I have been the victim of sexual abuse and rape when I was a child, I'm not a virgin. And this is unacceptable to see in Pakistan. Honestly, if someone is going to listen to me right now, I guess they're just going to kill me because this is what happens here. And but but, you know, I couldn't keep it in my in my heart anymore. I had to vent out. I had to break this abuse cycle, which is being nurtured in my own family, in my own society. I can't take it anymore because I know there are so many sisters outside. They're crying over this shit every day in their life the same way every night i dream and i and i just i i have this nightmare and i wake up suddenly that someone is touching me oh my god i hate that feeling and i know there are so many other girls as well and i personally know honestly every fifth person in my friend circle is being abused during their charter and they have only revealed their stories to me because i revealed mine to them but they know and they even tell me that Stay here, just forget and forgive. But, dude, I'm not going to do that.
0: And, and when you, people, can you just, um, when people say forget and forgive, to all, to all the people out there, all, all the, perhaps the young um, Pakistani women, not just ladies in Pakistan, but I think probably across the whole globe, why do you feel forget and forgive is the, completely the wrong strategy? What do you say to that?
1: Because first of all, we cannot forget. That is not possible. It's almost impossible to forget when someone touches you without your consent. When someone tries to come closer to you inappropriately. And especially when someone threatens you after doing that to you. Me, you if you even dare to speak up about it, you're going to even get the worst. This is what the threats we received. So apparently forgetting is not a choice. And yeah, my so-called religion tells me to forgive people for their sins and mistakes because that's when Allah forgives you for your sin. But dude, I was just a... What do you expect that being staying quiet and then forgiving that person I don't think so that's possible in my book at least I guess and fighting for justice is when you get the true reward and that's the forgiveness I can give you
0: yeah it it, it sounds like um it, there's another part to it as well that if you forgive and forget nothing's gonna change either and men the men and the society in which they operate will will continue seeing it as permissible
1: sure and i i just hate it when my society accepts and compromises about the stuff which is not okay which is not okay to even basic humanity i guess and this shouldn't be Permitted, I guess. No, this is not allowed. This is not even acceptable at any cost. No, not for me at least.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. And how you've been doing some things to try and um, change the... Um, I'm struggling for words here I'm struggling for words throughout this to be honest Um, you've done some incredibly brave things I think probably starting from going and talking to a counsellor but in some ways that was the beginning am I right in saying I'm very cautious about almost saying anything at all because this is I'm just totally out of my depth here
1: i'm so sorry i understand no, it's not easy
0: don't, yeah don't be sorry don't be sorry i'm i want to understand and learn when i tell people about my cancer i don't want them to be sorry but if they can understand then that's great and i'd love to try and understand the journey that you've been on and how what you want to say to other people who might have faced similar challenges? Uh,
1: I don't think so that I have done anything brave until now, but I would say that what I am trying my best is people to understand that compromising is not the solution. When you compromise with something wrong, you basically nurture it and you don't realize it. When you tell girls, when a girl is stepping outside from a house in Pakistan, she's being told that take your scarf with you, come back by 9 p.m. Instead, I want people to know. Instead, what I want people to do is when a boy is stepping outside their house, tell him that if you come across any girl, take her as your own sister. Take her as your own mother. Please don't harass her. Please don't abuse her in some way. So basically what I want people to understand is just shift your perspective a little bit. And especially the women in Pakistan. She, they are actually the ones who nourish the views. They are the one, because they are accepting it and they are taking it as something which is okay. They are basically encouraging more men to do the same thing. And that's where the cycle continues. And right. that's what people don't realize here. I know this is almost imp- like this is almost impossible to find a girl from Pakistan telling her own sexual abuse stories and accepting it publicly. But somewhere it has to start. When we speak about it, we are telling people that actually we, this didn't happen because of us. Like, for example, the most common stereotype that you come across in Pakistan when a girl is raped is because the way she was dressed, she was basically inviting men to come and rape me. But what would you say to a child? I was not dressed inappropriately. I didn't invite that guy to come and rape me because I was just I don't even remember my age. Oh, my God, when did it start? It was it happened so many times that honestly, I can't even recall All of those times. Every time I go through therapy, there's one more scenario which pops in my mind. Oh, my God, that happened too. And there there was a time when I sat down with my counselor and actually counted how many guys abused me. Because the times are uncountable. So that's the only thing which I want to tell people is stop accepting it as it's normal.
0: Oh my God. Um, I'm just one of the questions I have in my mind is why you feel that it is so prevalent in in Pakistan. It what or it maybe it's not more prevalent in Pakistan than other countries, but it does. I think it is one of the most. Uh, prevalent c- countries with the highest rates of s- sexual abuse, why, what needs to change most of all?
1: The first thing which I want, I don't want, but what is needed to be changed is stop hiding it under the cover of Islam. Mm-hmm. Stop hiding it and taking it as it's something like you know, most of the abusive things which are practiced in Pakistan openly are uh, are hidden behind the curtain of religion. Like
0: so you're just saying as the the Islam is the people some couch these actions in being part of Islam in a very in their minds.
1: Of course, I I, I do think that, and I actually believe it because. Uh, Because there are two types of religions around the world. The first one is the real religion, and the second one is human version of that religion. Taking it from Christianity to uh, Buddhism to Hinduism to Islam, I believe there are always versions of any religion. And if you practice the real version, then please, for God's sake, don't practice the human version too. Because you're basically manipulating people. You're basically blackmailing them under the cover of your religion, your faith, Because when a girl is stopped from talking about anything, it's because sex and virginity is so tabooed by the religion of Islam that because, like, what is the most important thing in our religion to avoid getting indulged into any sort of sexual relationships before your religion? Girls are being protected because they don't want to break their seals. They, they still want them to stay virgin before they get married to, And the only person who is allowed to have sex with her is her husband. That's it. Regardless of that, that condition being taken, a man is allowed to have sexual relationships with, her, with his wife and his slave. Of course, slavery is not open in Pakistan, but of course there are many girls who are uh, used for sex trafficking to be sold as slaves just for the use of sex workers. And Kashmir is just one of the biggest examples. Kashmir is the hub of these things, and everyone knows that. So uh, I, w- I just wanted to clarify my point here is that considering that point of sex and virginity, a woman is not allowed to even speak about her rape story, her uh, abuse stories because of Islam. Because the the because way society portrayed Islam, because the way society portrays Islam to her since childhood, she's not able to talk about it.
0: Can um can you go into more more depth here about what what exactly Islam says? Because there are differing versions of Islam from very orthodox to much more liberal. What is the what a women told in the name of Islam in, in Pakistan, in, uh, from what you've heard?
1: Just an example would be that since childhood, I have been told to cover myself completely. Otherwise, I am inviting people to rape me. And, and whenever i sight from my house, I am forced to take on scarf or I'm never even allowed closely to wear Western dresses. Here, Of course, no one wears, because we are allowed to cover ourselves properly. And even if you don't take scarf, just the dress which I'm wearing right now is covering my entire body, except that I didn't take that scarf in my neck or on my head. And even in this way, if I go outside, people keep on staring at me. And on the other side if a girl is covering herself properly in hijab i don't know if you understand what hijab is but hijab means to cover the girl with even her face her her head her neck everything not even her fingers are being shown and only her eyes can be seen in hijab <laughs> yeah. still that girl is being harassed too but what i'm told at my house is if you don't wear proper clothing then you will be harassed but that's not true and the biggest example is my Facebook page honestly just two weeks ago I posted a video in which I told people that uh, justice is not given to people justice is not given to rape victims in Pakistan in which I spoke about my thoughts openly to people and there were almost 25,000 views and some 300 comments from Wow. I don't know. Random boys harassing me. Why? Oh. Who the hell giving you that right to speak about it and go and wear proper dresses? Because I was wearing a T-shirt in that video, so people oh were telling goodness. me, "Stop speaking English, stop speaking English, and don't go outside your house. Wear proper Wait, I thought and these were
0: messages not... of support. I thought you were like no. 25, you know, 300 <laughs> comments of people saying like, "Well done, Sahar. You're you th- this. We just need more of this." But no, you. <laughs> Oh my Can you
1: even imagine? I received an email, uh, like abusive email from a guy, from a random guy, that stop posting such videos, or you will be, you will become the victim of honor killing. And I was like, okay, dude, yeah, we will see that. But wow. but the interesting fact is, I don't care about those 300 comments. I care about those two or three comments from those girls who shared their stories that even we were wearing hijab we were covering ourselves properly yet we were street harassed so I took screenshots of those messages and I also took screenshots of the guys who posted that uh, we're proper clothing and don't go outside and I posted that as a separate status saying that see you reveal yourself your own self your own identity in the same video in which you are trying to harass me that dress is never the reason for rape the reason for rape Is always the rapist. That's it. So this is just an example of human version of Islam in Pakistan.
0: My goodness. I just um, I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to sort of work this through my mind myself because what it's not it's not a it's a very imperfect analogy in a lot of ways, but it kind of What it sounds like to you, what it sounds like what has happened to you as it is, is if I, when I said to everyone and I said, you know, I have cancer, that was like a really, for me, that was like a big thing. Like I kind of came out um, and there's nothing compared to you, but like that, but, but all the messages I got were incredibly supportive. And it sounds like you've done something similar, and yet you've got, like, 297 messages of people telling you that you're in the wrong, That's a, that you're not, you're not doing a good thing to be talking about this, and only three positive messages. And it's like if everyone had told me that, oh, you have cancer, you should just sort of stay under a rock, you know, you're, you're um damaged human being. And that's kind of—it it sounds almost absurd, but that's exactly what's happened to you for just um, asserting—not even like a—not even like a basic right for for women, but just 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 talking about coverings. You know, that's that's so so. That's kind of almost below basic and just—if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that definitely makes sense. But uh, you know what? Uh, just if you will be talking to me one and a half year ago, I'll be mm. that scared little Seher, just maybe six years old or seven years old, who didn't come out of her shell, and she was completely traumatized, shattered, broken. You know, like for example, when you would have been given the news that you have cancer, the way you have would have reacted. Uh, I don't want to come out of my room. My life is uh, under a full stop. I don't know. I don't want to live. And every human being goes through some sort of traumas in their life. They have their shared of issues that they have to face, I guess. And uh, one and a half year ago, I was that Sahar, I guess, who was I was extremely introvert, extremely introvert. I wouldn't uh, be making friends that easily, and uh, but. When I went through my therapy, the one thing which I realized was there is a light at the end of tunnel. It's just when do we decide to see that light? When do we decide to uncover that light and become a part of it? Instead of just watching it from that sitting inside the tunnel, I don't think so we are ever going to achieve anything. And the version which I have become right now is that no matter how many rebuttals I'm going to face in my life all I want myself to know is that I'm not going to stop even if those 300 messages were 5,000 messages including my family members because I know the day they are going to know that I'm giving interviews about this thing they're going to disown me right away but I guess I don't care I don't care it's not I don't love them I love them so much they're my whole world who doesn't love their parents and their siblings? Everyone loves them. But I want them to know is I won't choose them over a thousand girls like me, I guess. Because I know how it feels to just be that one the hair. So I can't even imagine the pain of those thousand others. And it's okay if they disown me. But I know secretly maybe they will be proud of me that I didn't give up.
0: I, th- I think, um, that's just a, that's just a horrible, horrible situation to be in. And I suddenly, I know that everyone listening to this will be rooting for you, Saha, and that, that probably isn't very much compared to your family, but I'm kind of blown away. Um, I was, wondering how you you talk about this light at the end of the tunnel how what for you was this process of turning of being very introverted to um, it being a really powerful driving force for you to try and change Pakistan, and the the lives of other young women for the better. How did that happen? How did that journey happen? Um, And it's still happening, I guess, as well.
1: uh, I would just say acceptance. Acceptance that all those things happened to me. Because, you know what, for 20 years, I didn't even set this thing even for once to my shadow. Can you imagine, even for once to my shadow, I never confessed that it ever happened. And the moment it came out of my mouth, it seemed like those nightmares are actually coming and standing right in front of me. And it's like, you know, it's on repeat telecast. Repeat, 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 until you finally accept. Because, and of course it can be in any journey taken it from less to sexual abuse you have to accept if you don't accept that this happened how can you get out get over it because when you when you utter your own traumas to yourself i guess that's when your body neutralizes the pain and that's where your body takes a chance to move forward your past and it's not even about forgetting your past. You can never forget your past because there's no undo button in life. You have to relive it to get over it, I guess.
0: Right. So, you, so there's no, there's no easy way of of getting over it.
1: No, it's awful. <laughs> it's pathetic. It's It's really worst, I guess. And even yesterday, I had a really bad panic attack, really bad panic attack, thinking about all those things. But every time, I guess the pain is a bit more easier than it was before it. And sometimes there will be days when it will be worst than when it happened, Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: your body is accepting that pain, but... I, I'm pretty sure there there will be days also when you will be the most powerful one for yourself.
0: I I don't know. This is this is so challenging because like I have this. I
1: understand.
0: I, I have this idea that like um you know like ch- challenges um if we can get through challenges then you know then we can be stronger people with more motivation or like um uh you know thirst for living on the other side and when i I don't know i'm hearing this and i'm kind of like um uh i just blown away and just not really it just feels wrong to try and put a positive spin i suppose on like what's has happened to you and happens to many young women in Pakistan and and around the world. And to try and say now that like, okay, Sahar, tell me how this is made positive in your life. It just sounds like I'm talking like complete bullshit. Like, um, (laughs) So.
1: That is so true, actually. I, I know sometimes when people tell me, but it has turned you into a really strong person. I was like, Fuck it. Who cares? It ruined my life. It ruined me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> who cares about being a positive person? But mm. I try my best not to spread my negativity which is inside me to other people.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Except my counsellor. Yeah. I, I am pretty sure she needs her counsellor when I leave the room because I I put yeah. so much negativity on her. But
0: um, I don't so know. Can you can you tell us how you are using the experiences that you've had to try and reduce the possibility of that happening to other young women in Pakistan? Because you've mentioned a little bit, and I know you've got a Facebook group, you know, know, Sapiens of Abuse, um, but can you take take us through what led you there? And like we met at the University of Central Asia in in Kyrgyzstan, where you studied media and comms. Did you go there knowing that you wanted to be able to communicate your story or the stories of other young women? How how did that happen? And how? What,
1: Actually, no. Yeah. I okay. wouldn't brag about it. <laughs> so uh, when I landed in UC actually I didn't have any dreams <laughs> I didn't have any motives all I wanted was to graduate the first thing I landed in UC of course was to get away from Pakistan to never return to this country ever again to actually never see my family members too I only wanted to stay in touch with them over call because somehow I always blamed them for whatever I went through as uh, even now it like even now when I go through some sort of panic attacks and I become too negative, I somehow blame them for whatever happened and how I'm going suffering through the pain. But uh, slowly and gradually, actually I realized uh, especially I give all my credits to my therapy, all my credits to my therapy uh, that, and especially, okay, so there is a little bit twist in my story as well. And I want you to know that as well. So when I was uh, 16 and a half, I started dating a guy uh, here in Hyderabad and I I was dating him for almost five years. And uh, I don't know, I don't want to blame him for anything, but uh, because I was a very shy introvert and a person who would keep everything to myself, I never even shared my traumas with him as well. Within the course of five years, I, I I never even uttered a single word that I am going through depression. And because of going through severe depression, I guess I allowed him to abuse me as well. But that was exceptionally like emotional and psychological abuse. So a big and because I was too uh, too weird around physical relationships, so we never had that one. But uh, you know, whatever he would tell me to do, I would do that. And considering coming from a Pakistani society, we have been taught to listen to boys always. Because that's what happens in our house as well. Because what you see, you process it and you embed that procedure for your body to do whatever is happening since childhood around you. So I I did whatever he used to tell me. He told me to never make friends. I never made friends. He told me to stay quiet. I used to stay quiet. He told me never stand, attend social gatherings. I never attended social gatherings. Oh so, goodness. you know, it was like he was running my life. And I was allowing him to operate my life completely. And, One day out of nowhere,
0: And that just yeah. felt normal to you? And, yes. Yeah.
1: Can you imagine? Everything, every it's sort important. of abuse was normal to me. It was like my body was programmed to let people come and abuse me. So, and, and yeah, that is so traumatizing when I think about it right now. It is so sad. But uh, after five years out of, out of nowhere, one day he just broke up with me. And honestly, I wouldn't lie, but I loved that guy so much. Because I don't know, I, I really loved him. And I I don't understand what love exactly is, but uh, whatever it seems like some messy thing, I loved him back then. So when he I'm, broke up with me, yeah,
0: sure. I'm, I'm asked. This 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 guy who just told you to do anything, like, you know, just, just kind of controlled your life and stopped you from making friends and stopped you from going out and and. Just, meeting up with people you it almost seems really difficult to believe that you loved this guy who was so like restrictive
1: but I loved him back then because for me yeah. that relationship was perfectly normal and okay. okay so when when he left me and we we got <clears> apart. <throat> And I was in UCA. So now, just imagine in a perfect scenario, no family, no parents, especially no Pakistani society, and no boyfriend. I yeah. was allowed to do anything I wanted to do. So yes. uh, the first thing what I did was uh, make friends, start talking to people. And uh, and the best thing was I, I was going outside, I was eating, and especially credit chief for Rome. and slowly and gradually I started exploring the seher who was dead and at that time around I got an opportunity to go to Kenya for a week as well and uh, and it in in Kenya I was forced to socialize because I was there as UC ambassador so um, I don't know but meanwhile I just um, I just got a chance to know who I am. And one sudden day, I just left this message to my counselor right after one month of my breakup. I want to talk. And she was so compassionate. She was so loving. And she came from my own background. She was Pakistani. That was the best thing that happened to me because she understand she understood completely because maybe being a UK citizen it's hard for you to process stuff whatever I'm telling you it's like oh my god all of the sudden so much information to absorb. But <laughs> it's
0: a very different the, set of values and expectations. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's like
0: exactly. It's hard for me to get my head around the things that are normal and accepted in Pakistani society. Uh, I'm just like, WTF, like, <laughs> I know, <laughs> but,
1: I understand. But I,
0: but this is why I feel this conversation is so important to have, to, to understand. Exactly, better.
1: yeah. So, the best thing was just that my counselor was Pakistani, she understood my emotions, and, I didn't tell her about, uh, my past, uh, like that, but it took a while to, get to know each other, but, she, she, she treated me like my sister and that was the thing which welcomed me to just speak about it and that was sort of a transition from a an introvert to a girl who can speak about stuff openly
0: and so you had you know a whole series of counseling sessions or you know chats with your with your counselor and from this, Sahar began to blossom.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's fair to say. How have you used the opportunities at, at UCA? Like, what has it? What have you been trying to do? You weren't thinking about it when you arrived. You just wanted to get away from Pakistan. But um, I mean, apart from the pause with COVID, you're still a student there. Like, where are you? What are you hoping to do?
1: Actually, uh, the opportunity, the best opportunity at UC is just uh, for myself to heal, I guess. Other than that, I don't want to live there anymore. Actually, I want to come back to Pakistan. I want to live here. I want to meet people who had same tragedies like me. I want to console them and let them know that it's okay to speak. The first and basic rule for me is to speak. Speak your heart out, whatever there is, and honestly, like I I don't want to don't want to sound mean. The entire world is under lockdown. I hate coronavirus, but I love coronavirus because it gave me a chance to come out, come here in Pakistan, especially. And you know now, I really want to connect with my family as well. I don't want to I I don't blame my family members anymore because I understand. So see, I just keep myself in those twenty years how it was okay for me to accept those things. The same thing is happening with them. Their mind is trained the way they are are behaving. It's not their mistake. Yes, it is their mistake if they are informed, if they know what is happening, yet they allow it to happen. But if there is no awareness, if there is no explanation for whatever is happening, then it's not even their mistake, I guess. This is just the way they are trained.
0: Are you saying they weren't aware?
1: Uh, like, the way I was not aware, I would say they were not, they are aware as well.
0: So they, are you saying that they, they knew what happened but they weren't aware that it was bad?
1: No, 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 not about uh, my sexual abuse and stuff. I would just say here the way people cover everything under Islam and they like, because there's no correct knowledge of Islam. There is religious illiteracy in Pakistan as well. So for example, I was listening to this podcast by Dr. Zakir Naik. He's one of the famous famous uh, Islamic preacher in Islamic world and uh, people consult him for any sort of Quranic knowledge. And I was just listening to his, his podcast about sex with slaves in Islam. And the way he gave explanation was awful. He literally said that it is okay to slave someone and then have sex with them. And there was no religious knowledge, no background, nothing at all over this there. This
0: is a respected Islamic scholar who says it's okay yes. to have sex with someone if they're your, your slave.
1: Exactly, and so I did my own background knowledge and stuff, uh, background checks and stuff, in Quran, uh, and apparently, yes, that's true, it's okay to have sex with slaves in Islam, and that's very sad.
0: Where, where uh, has this left you and your religion, because you must have grown up as, as, as a Muslim?
1: Yes, and I'm so sorry, I don't know, like, honestly... Uh, this is the personal struggle I was talking about when I, we started this podcast, actually. Uh, I don't know. It, it makes me cry so much. Uh, I have no words. I'm speechless because, uh, I don't know what to say here. But uh, uh, for me, of course, uh, non-consensual sex is unacceptable considering my own history and then when my own faith tells that I don't know it's so confusing because it says sex with slaves is allowed of course slavery is never consensual and on the other side Quran says that rape is a sin. Rape mm. means non-consensual sex so it is so contradicting in its own words. I I, I, I I was just writing it down as well it is actually written in Surah twenty. Three in Quran ayat 1 to 6 which says that a man is allowed to have sex with his slave female slave so uh, and I don't know uh, uh, it, it broke me honestly it shattered me into pieces because for my whole life i was looking for justice through Islam. honestly i won't i won't lie here because my country runs according to sharia rules the mm-hmm. courts in pakistan run, run according to sharia rules and mm-hmm. i wanted to have justice i'm planning actually that's one of my biggest plans is to get my get the transgressor behind the bars of course this is unacceptable for me and to To have justice will be an example for so many girls like me in my country. But it's the same country, it's the same religion, which allows non-consensual sex. What kind of slave slavery is consensual? What kind of slavery? Even not in West, you talk about consent. Consent all the time. Oh, my God, I don't know.
0: It doesn't... Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's totally contradictory. And it's, it
1: is. And it's perverted. Uh, it. The point where you ask me, where did it leave me with my religion? I guess nowhere. Uh, right now, I honestly feel like, uh, I, I don't know. Yesterday when I had this panic attack, the only thing which hit me so hard was to... To feel like a prostitute for my whole life. You know, where my culture allowed people to abuse me, where my society accepted it as normal, and now my religion permitting it. I I don't have anywhere to go, I guess. Any door to because of course my family isn't going to support me with my decisions. I don't even know any friends who can make me feel comfortable about this story. And and if you don't even have your faith left, I guess you are hopeless. But I don't know if I'm made of some sort of weird thing, but I don't want to stop still.
0: Yeah, something stronger than titanium, I think.
1: Um. <laughs> Um, And I want this world to know, no matter how many times they're going to break me, even Islam and Islamic teachings, that's not going to
0: happen anymore. Are you, you've chosen to, you said you wanted to sort of come back and stay in Pakistan, and that's despite the, you know, it's it's the Islamic Republic of Pakistan, is that what is the, the yes,
1: it's is the islamic republic of pakistan uh, definitely <laughs> and i have uh, its passport as well
0: <laughs> but, so you've chosen to well, i mean you haven't chosen in the context of covid to come back but you said you wanted to come back to to, to pakistan and it, that sounds like such a difficult option to you know my, given my what you just said been... that the whole country doesn't understand has a completely different value system to yours. My life uh, hasn't
1: been easy anyways, right? Uh, so it doesn't matter anymore how hard it is. I guess it is harder. It has been harder when I was a child than it is right now for me. Okay. And uh, I know it, it would never be easy because all the doors are closed. But, and I can't even say a last door is open because honestly it's so funny but I don't know I I will I will see where life takes me I guess I but I will definitely choose to help at least myself through this yeah
0: Yeah, it it sounds though that you have been doing some really positive things right now to try and um, voice um, bring more awareness to to, to sexual uh, abuse and violence in in Pakistan and begin to change the way that that people think about uh, about this and I'm I'm sure it will take years if not decades generations um, and that seems like a, an amazingly worthwhile thing to do um in in itself um can you just tell us I, i think there's going to be so many people listening to this who are going to be blown away by what you've said and would like to help you in what you're trying to achieve can you tell us what you've done so far and what plans what where, where do you
1: see it going? I haven't done so much so far, I guess. The only thing I credit myself is just to heal myself properly. That's one of my biggest achievements. Uh, healing is a continuous process, and it's okay even if you have to restart it all over again. That's totally fine. But uh, at least embarking on this journey is one of my biggest achievements, I guess, Uh I wouldn't really count a lot of things, but uh, the only achievement which I really see myself as for myself is uh, opening up this social media platform, Sapiens of Abuse, because mm-hmm. uh, that page has given me an inspiration to be more public about things. Mm-hmm. People say that keeping things, pe- keeping your privacy is really important, but for girls like me and people like me, being public is more important Mm -hmm. because there is nothing private for you anyways left in your life. So why not make it public in a good way, in a positive way in which you can really inspire others as well? Yes, I get 80% threatening messages, but I guess I get 20% supportive messages as well. And I would like to keep those 80% in my spam because that's where they belong Mm -hmm. from. Yes. So uh, yeah, so this is just one of my achievements I would say and especially opening this page in Pakistan
0: yeah is almost impossible so I I mean you you play down your you know what you've done I think a, a huge amount because I you know, what you're what you're doing what you've done is I don't I think it's nothing short of incredible that you've come you know you've gone through, part part the way through a healing journey which will take which will never end um and yet you're then not taking what muslim might see as an easy option but you're i guess putting yourself in a in some ways a very vulnerable situation going with this stuff online but i guess maybe it doesn't feel as vulnerable because of what's happened before
1: yes definitely and uh uh, for me, studying communications and media, I realized it's one thing that media can actually change the world. Media can change a lot of stuff and it is a very powerful tool. And people have saved their lives because of media. And they have even escaped countries like Saudi Arabia. So living in Pakistan is not a big deal at all, definitely. So I would say that, uh, yes, it does keep me in a very vulnerable position and especially I have to fight with my family at some point as well for considering the stuff that goes online and of course they are following every move of mine even on social media but they uh, but I guess I, I, I do give them some really good arguments and some really rational arguments when I keep those things online so I guess, yeah, I can at least live through that. That's fine for me.
0: I really hope that your family learn a lot from you. Um, I hope so. And is there anything people, anyone listening to this, like from the UK or from, from the US, is there a way that they can help what you're trying to do?
1: I would just say there are a lot of Pakistani girls stuck in UK and US as well. And we do come across stories in which they are being domestically abused. They are, their rights are being violated even in Western countries. And they are not able to escape their families. And some even become the victim of honor killing, even in UK and US, who, are, who belong from my country. I, I would just say that look out for those people. And if you know, don't don't refrain from helping because they really do need your help. They do need your support. They do need a very safe zone in which they can talk and heal themselves and become a stronger version of Seher.
0: Mm -hmm. Maybe this is a really rubbish question, but I'm almost embarrassed to ask it, but like how... I'm, 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 I'm just trying to put myself in the situation of how would I know and maybe this is just like a really easy cop-out or maybe a better question is how is it best to help if you see someone just in you, you know you're not in the street right now but you know who maybe you know you just walks by you and maybe they're from from Pakistan maybe they're from Um, from Brighton. What's the best thing to do to help if you're not really sure of someone's situation and you're kind of seeing it from afar or as one stranger to another? Would there have been something that would have made a difference to you?
1: Honestly, I I do go through this problem as well. Uh, And uh, the only thing which I try to do with those people is make them feel comfortable around me. And that's the best way, I guess, I can help. Uh, It's not really important to definitely take their family members to police and get them jailed and behind the bars and go through the cases. I guess uh, just uh, being a friend on which they can count on is also a very big help to people like me, I guess. Because uh, growing up, I didn't really have a friend. I didn't have a safe zone for me. And still, like, I can count on very, very, very few people to which I really share my complete stories with. And because, of course, when you go through some panic attacks, you just remember something which was so terrible to you. And you can only speak about that to someone on whom you can trust completely. So uh, when I come across such people and I have a doubt that they might be going through something, I just try and talk, not exactly asking them, oh, my God, I think you're going through domestic abuse. But maybe, hi, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Is everything okay with you? You can trust me. These are some words which we long for, I guess. And growing up, I did long for these words because I didn't come across any single person who said this to me. How are you? And in a really, really, really meaningful way in which he or she really meant it now i can really judge if someone says that to me because i know how it feels
0: wow i i i i've um i yeah as you can hear i don't really know what to say and what to think that this has been immensely an immensely challenging conversation just to hear how brutal the how brutal humans men can be and how their impact maybe I don't know maybe this guy like has kind of it's kind of a memory for him it's like forgotten but the the impacts is something that the other person has to live with like every single day um that's that's horrible
1: i'm so sorry it was too much for you i guess
0: oh <laughs> It's not, I know it's not too much. I think it's so important that we. I'm trying to, to vocalize, put into words like what you've told me because I think it's so important, particularly in the UK and in, in America where we think our lives are tough because we can only leave the house once a day for exercise or something that, that these things happen. They really happen. And it's so easy for us to forget them and ignore it. So thank you so much for, for sharing something deeply, deeply personal. Thank you so
1: much. I don't think so. It's personal, (laughs) but yeah. Thank you so much for giving me a chance to speak about it.
0: Is there there sort one thing you would like people to take away from this conversation?
1: Just um, accept whatever happened with you. That's the key to see the light at the end of the tunnel.
0: That's Mm -hmm. it.